Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. And today, we try to put a wrap on the Senior Bowl because I think maybe you got this information from some other folks or maybe you, if this is something you crave, you know, these these uh, insights on these guys, you got them somewhere else by now. That's entirely possible, having gone through the weekend. Unfortunately, got uh, days mixed up over the weekend getting the interview in. And uh, I still want to get this information to you, though, about who played well in the Senior Bowl, possible fits with the Browns, improve their stock, hurt their stock. Some of those things, I think, are pertinent because the Senior Bowl really is an NFL landmark event that has a lot of influence on the NFL draft. So getting updates on some of those players, I think, is pertinent. And um, we're going to do that here. Another reminder, it's wide receiver week at the OBR. You're going to see up on the website today uh, a piece on uh, roundtabling, the big decision looming with Jarvis Landry. We will have a podcast on that this week, obviously. Cover every angle of the wide receiver room, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones film room, Anthony Schwartz film room. Uh, look at all of it. It'll It'll all be there for you. Obviously, we'll dive into free agent names of interest as well. A uh, reminder of other things up at the OBR, we have Fred Greetham's wide receiver tight end breakdown that he did uh, and kind of looking ahead. And if you did not know, uh, the uh, mock draft experiment is going on right now. Stephen Thomas runs it every day up into the draft. It's a ton of fun. Check that out. Learn these guys' names and background about these players. Uh, see, it's a, it's a really great resource. We're going to do on Twitch Tuesday night a uh, a quick thing pretty much every Tuesday where Steve and I will do dueling mock drafts uh, kind of going back and forth and who we would pick and why we would pick them if you want to have insight uh, have conversation around those check them out and uh, hang out with us and join us on Tuesday nights on Twitch so that will be available for you tonight Otherwise, there was absolutely, I try to bring Brown's news discussion, whatever, bring a piece of information uh, that's out there that happened in the day. It was a really slow news day. The only thing that happened that gained steam is I think is going to really start picking up in the next few days as media days are about to hit at the Super Bowl. And that's Odell Beckham. And, and I'm not doing this again, but Jarvis Landry surprised Odell with uh, some comments toward him, and a lot of Browns players were reacting to it on social. And if you get a chance, go listen to Jarvis's thing with Odell, what he said to him leading up to the Super Bowl. I thought it was really heartfelt, really uh, shows those guys' relationship, which is which dates back so far, well before their LSU days. And it's cool. I respect it. I just, I just, uh, I don't really know the modern athlete and where people draw the line uh, because. <laughs> you read things about what the, the you know Odell's thoughts on guys coming to Cleveland and how he exited. I just have no idea how modern athletes, guys in the NFL, perceive uh, the the competitive drive stuff or uh, your team. Like I just I don't even know how to put into words what I'm saying. Like when I was growing up, and I think I'm even generations removed from uh, some of the stuff that was that was crazier. 
as far as like team protecting and things like that. Like if a guy left your team because he didn't want to be there, you took offense to it, right? Like uh, you didn't appreciate when a guy told other players to stay away from Cleveland. So I, I don't know. I just, the modern NFL athlete, there's no bad blood between the players and Odell period. They seem to not have any care in the world about how that ended. That's the only thing that was out there today that caught my attention. And I'm just like, you know, Jarvis is really happy for him and, and wants him to go get a ring and do it for both of us. And, and I just, I, it's like, you listen to that and you're like, you can't believe that guy was on the Cleveland Browns and forced his way out of the Cleveland Browns, like late in the season. It's kind of mind blowing to me, but again, I'm certainly welcome to the idea that different generations of, of athletes have different feelings on these things, but like the rivalry stuff, uh, is, is faded. The, uh, not that the NFL has had ever had great rivalry stuff, but like the, uh, the, the ownership of your team and all of that just feels like it's, it's just not a thing, right? It's just not a thing where, uh, you get offended by that if someone you know leaves the brotherhood of your team. I, it just, it just is gone. It's just not a thing the way it used to be a thing. Uh, that's my takeaway. I just kind of couldn't believe uh, how. I mean, I know those guys' relationship it runs deep. It runs beyond the Browns, but just kind of caught me off guard how little care or uh, little feel that he was on the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. Kind of strange to me. Uh, anyway, let's move on from Odell once again. Hopefully can can finally be done with the topic later this week when the Super Bowl ends. We have a great guest today, Russell Brown. He's at Russ NFL Draft. He's a national scout for Cover One. Immense amount of respect for the guys at Cover One. And Russell, who does a great job giving us insights on the Senior Bowl, the atmosphere, the players involved, guys that stood out, guys that can make some sense for Cleveland. I think it's a good interview, good insights. Russell's joined us before. He'll join us again. And uh, plenty of names to learn from this conversation if you've not learned them already. So let's get over to our interview with Russell now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Russell, fresh off the Senior Bowl, man. Trips to Mobile. Nothing quite like a man. How was this one for you? 
Oh man, it, it's always a good time to get back down there. Last year, just kind of did it virtually, but this is my fifth Senior Bowl, and it, it's just it's man, it's just such a good time getting with other people in the business that enjoy the draft as much as you do, and being able to talk football, watch football, eat good, drink good, get away from some of this Michigan weather of you know twelve <laughs> inches of snow. It's it's pretty nice, man. So it was uh, it was something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's it's a unique experience down there, and and I don't think people know, you know, how busy is it? I I mean, I haven't been yet. I've been approved, but I had something come up a few years back. Uh, but but like, kind of paint the picture for what it's like for folks down there around the game. Like, what are practices like? Do you guys get to go down there and watch closely in the stands? Sort of just kind of like broad stroke the weeks for for folks who maybe don't get a chance to go to it. For sure. I mean, this year has been a little bit different because of obviously COVID. They've kind of restricted certain things like media day two, three years ago, right? Like you would come out at seven o'clock in the morning to the convention center and the players would be having breakfast and you would just kind of walk up to them and introduce yourself. And they're like in the middle of eating a pancake and you're like, uh, hey, I'm Russ Brown with cover one. How you doing? Drew Sample, blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of talk with them a little bit but this year it was more so and I, I liked it actually a little bit more but it was kind of hard to get that one-on-one time because the moment you asked for a player you know you'd go up to one of the, like the senior bowl media directors or something and say hey I'd like to talk with Perry on Winfrey or or you know Malik Willis or whoever and they would they would go grab them if they're not in an inventory if they are in a, in a in an interview, if you went and got them and they were like, yeah, nope, they're, they're there. And they're in an interview right now, get somebody else. You kind of, you kind of have to shake up your questions and kind of just be ready on the fly from the media perspective. But for practice, yeah, you're just sitting up in the stands. Um, sometimes they'll allow you on the field this year. I didn't try it just cause I liked my view from up in the stands and because on the field, you know, you can't really get on the sidelines per se. You're kind of in the back like corner of an end zone and on the sidelines. I mean, you see every GM head coach and team scout possible wrapped around the field. So it's kind of hard to see. So I kind of like to be up in the stands. I can be spaced out, take my notes, see kind of the whole field and I can move around a little bit better and just kind of see, um, you know, if I'm watching O-line, D-line, I can move down, watch corners and running backs and stuff like that. So um, it's it's just a fun time and it's, you know, you, you'll see one team go first, there's a little break, then you'll see the other team. And again, it's just a great place to network and talk ball. Yeah, one of the better parts of the NFL calendar, really. I mean, everybody involved in the NFL and everybody who covers it and aspires to cover it at a serious level is it's a unique trip that you should try to make if that's something you're into, because it's a really cool part of the calendar. So let's do this. It's always kind of easier to cover, uh, in my opinion, at least find guys who help themselves instead of hurt themselves. We'll start with the guys who, who help themselves this week, who your list could be whatever long. It doesn't matter. It could be a couple guys, could be five guys. Just who who did you leave this week thinking, man, that guy really, really helped himself uh, get up on draft boards and maybe become a guy who maybe creeps up to day one, day two area, or even some of the guys who are undrafted types who maybe are, are, are creeping their way into the back half of the draft. For sure. I mean, starting with probably the one of the biggest names was, you know, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. He he showed up. I mean, he's rocked up at six five, two fifty nine. Um, he he really looks the part off the edge, has a really nice blend of speed and power. You probably saw the viral clip where he kind of won uh won the battle, not necessarily won the war against Kennard at the end of practice of the Lions practice, but he ended up knocking Carnard all the way back with uh, his ability to translate speed to power. But he's he's just a really fun 
fun player. He was rumored as a potential first-round pick, depending on who you talk to. And while I think he can become a little bit more technically sound in the run game as far as staying square, squeezing things down, and, and fighting pressure with pressure, you still just see this blend, again, of power, speed, and a really good blend of pass rush moves that I think you can develop. And he should be a first-round pick. And he's interesting for the sake of the Browns. I know maybe you know edge rusher isn't the top need, but they are kind of in a position where it just kind of feels like at 13, they could maybe do whatever they want. And if Jermaine Johnson is there and he's their top player and they feel like he's going to make them better as a football team, he could be somebody that they're really considering. But staying on that kind of edge rusher list, I think Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State probably is going to be a first round pick. Maybe he's an early day too. Maybe he falls a little bit like Harold Landry did, but I mean, six, two is what he checked into the senior bowl with. And I mean, he's got 34 inch arms. The length really stands out. He's a natural edge rusher with really good flexibility. And I think he put that on display quite a bit. Now there were times he lost reps, but every guy felt like lost reps. So I think Arnold Abiketti is somebody. And then just from an offensive line perspective, I'll talk about two guys in specific. And once Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa and the other Zion Johnson with Boston College and Penning is the guy that probably created the most buzz because he was the most physical player there it felt like I mean he's 6'6 330 bullied Tyreek Smith quite a few times even got into it with Kyron Johnson out of Kansas and you just you love his play style I don't know if you know the, the Browns are necessarily going to look at a left tackle or even a right tackle for that matter at 13 or even 44 but Penning kind of came in as that fringe first rounder and now you think about teams like you know a team like maybe the Raiders who are maybe trying to get a new identity up front or the Steelers who might want to get better. And that's important when you talk about the Browns. So Penning could be somewhere in that 20 to 25 range. Reminds me a lot of Garrett Bowles. He's got to definitely clean up some things, um, 34 career penalties and, and stuff like that. But you see the stuff after the play, during the play and the aggressiveness, you get super excited. And then just lastly, Mr. Consistent, Zion Johnson stayed after practice every single day at 6'2", 314, has almost 34-inch arms, which is impressive for an interior offensive lineman. And again, he stayed after practice working on snaps. He shows that he can play all five positions on the offensive line, and he was just consistent every single day, super strong, really good anchor, and I think he's a first-rounder. You think of like Dallas, Arizona, that, that pick 24, 25. He makes just a ton of sense for those teams. Yeah, the Browns tend to in this whole process. We've we all try to pin down how they angle the draft. You know, what are they looking mm -hmm. for in terms of athletic ability? What are they looking for at age? We've seen them, you know, for for pretty consistently through Andrew Berry's time leading up to his departure to Philly and his time coming back. At least the Paul D. Podesta area when he was uh, era when he was with Sashi Brown, they go young and they go elite athlete. They they have not drafted anybody twenty two. That's just flat out not drafted anybody that old until very late in the draft. So if they bend on that, like last year they bent uh, when they, when they decided to, to move up for linebacker JOK, right? Like they showed, Hey, we'll, we'll take a non-premium position. If we really like the guy, we'll even move up for him. I'll be interested to see if they, they bend on age just because of how weird everything is, right? Like guys mm -hmm. sticking around an extra year, that kind of thing. Maybe thinking their window is a little more now, uh, that they need to go get guy, somebody who can impact on a rookie contract and somebody who's 20, 22, 23, even 24 uh, could be a part of being a right now player, maybe not in the first round, but in those second, third rounds. I want to target some positions with you, Russell. Like you talked about edge there with, with um, was it, was it Johnson? I think you were talking about at edge. Yep. Um, Johnson. Uh, well, let's talk. Let's, let's 
close defense first. I think their secondary and linebacker group, they feel pretty good about. They could go out and get some guys there. I'd be relatively surprised, but defensive tackles is a hot spot, right? And they, they definitely could, like you said, go get a defensive end in the draft. I'm not sure that the clowny kind of situation looms because he really liked it in Cleveland. He was really good across from miles. So that could shift the dynamic. But if they end up looking at drafting another defensive tackle, which would be a little surprising to me because they're so young there in terms of who's on the roster. Both Malik McDowell, Malik Jackson, likely gone. Um, you're looking at two young guys in Tommy Togiai and Jordan Elliott. Maybe they want to bring in another young guy, but it's just a weird year at that position. I think you could agree. But there were two guys that really helped themselves this week. Uh, talk about Perrion Winfrey. Talk about Travis Jones, why they might be a good 4-3 uh, fit for the Browns, what they could bring, uh, and kind of their range of, of selection for you. Yeah, well, and I'll I'll even throw you know two extra guys in there nice. just because uh, I I like you and I like your podcast and I like Browns fans and that's why they pay name's... you the big bucks. That's right. <laughs> they well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that big, but <laughs> um, you know, with Winfrey, I mean, he won he won Senior Bowl MVP, and I mean, he came in just with his hair on fire, six three three oh three, really good length at thirty five and four eighths four eighths inches as far as arm length. So you really like to see that stuff because you want guys with some some good arm length to create separation. Now his his pad level at times would kind of rise. He'd match up against like Andrew Stuber in one on ones, and he would end up playing a little bit high. But his motor and his aggressiveness was so so fluid all the time. It was it was just always on, and his energy was there that he was able to get through a lot of these reps. And again, with that length, he was able to create that separation despite the high pad level and still work his way through with either an arm over ripping through, however it might have been. So. I think Winfrey's got that range of maybe being a back end first rounder, but certainly it just it feels like at this point maybe a you know a lock to be a top fifty pick, certainly a top sixty, top sixty two pick. So within those first two rounds, he should go. He reminds me a little bit of like Nick Fairley in a sense because of the motor, some of the explosiveness, the the aggressiveness in in there, and just that high energy. You love to see it, plus the long arms. So I think Winfrey can play in a variety of spots. I mean, whether you're in an odd front, he could be that zero shade. If you're in an even front, he could play again as a zero shade, a two eye in a two. He can do a variety of things, and I think as a two gap player, he can certainly do that again because of his length. So. I like Winfrey a lot, and he had some inconsistencies on tape. So when you watch the highlights, you're going to be like, man, like there either isn't a lot of highlights or just his, his, you know, at the time during the season, he was kind of running hot and cold. But the one thing that always stood out was just the, the motor, the energy, and things like that. So he had a really good week. Aside from that, yes, Travis Jones, 6'4", 326, another guy that's just super powerful. And I think because of his frame and his overall strength, he can two-gap for you, and he can also win in those one-on-one -on -one situations, which you saw him do quite a bit because, again, he has that, that power. And then, again, the, just the hand use that you like to see. Now, there were times that he'd get locked up and get steered and controlled, but I think when you talk day two, somewhere in that range, he should find a spot just because of how how consistent he was and really when you watch his tape he was by far the best player on UConn's field or on UConn's team whenever they took the field so uh, Jones and Winfrey for sure next Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia 62307 versatile but really fluid lower body you don't you don't really see guys at 307 move this well and he just does and I don't know if he's going to be a first rounder but the constant question is Who's the the next tier of defensive tackles outside of, you know, DeMarvin Leal and Jordan Davis? And I think 
Winfrey and Wyatt fall into that mix because of just how versatile they are, how how fluid they are, how explosive they are. And I think that's what Wyatt is. I mean, he was very explosive at times in those one-on-one situations and probably kind of falls into that Travis Jones range where I think you'll see him somewhere on the second day of the draft. Again, maybe maybe somebody takes him over Winfrey, but um, I, I would be somewhat surprised at that just because I thought Winfrey was the most consistent defensive tackle. And then just lastly, uh, Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama. Really good interview. I talked to a couple of scouts that said, you know, high character kid, great leadership. He was kind of on and off, like had some inconsistencies. But when you watch him play, I mean, at 6'3", 313, he really does a good job of squeezing things down. He likes to use uh, his his arms and just hands a lot. He's a little wild with it. So once he kind of re, you know redefines that, refines that movement, he'll be a lot better. But Mathis, I think, can, uh, similar in a way to like Winfrey, can play in those variety of spots and is going to do a lot of different things. So I think when you look in that second and third round range, these are four guys that really stood out. I think the Browns could take a liking to one of them. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, they're going to be interested in something there, and especially getting an extra extra third from the uh, the uh, addition by Minnesota taking Queasy Adolfo Mensa from them, and, and they have an additional mm-hmm. fourth round pick already. So they'll they'll probably throw one a defensive tackle. Let's let this is great stuff defensively. Let's switch to offense where wide receiver sort of the highlight. And I I I don't think any of the big names were ever going to be there. That's not a surprise. But there were some wide receivers who I thought uh, popped a little bit, right? Watson popped a little bit. Some others did. I'm, I'm curious who caught your eye at the wide receiver position because the Browns could double dip. They could get crazy if they go pick 13 and take one, they could double dip in round three, four, five, and actually kind of fully expect them to do so. So hit me with anybody you think is a good fit for them. Sort of, uh, it, it, let's just do this. Whoever popped out to you wide receiver, and then maybe some guys who you think might be a good fit that way. For sure. Um, you know, from the senior bowl, just in general here, Christian Watson was the best wide receiver. I, I thought that took the field um, every day in practice. Very consistent. 6'4", 211, really flexible lower body. I was telling people like he reminds me of like Gumby just because of like how flexible everything was. And if if uh, if nobody knows that show, I'm probably showing my age, but um, which really isn't that old, but I still love that show. Um, but no, no he that, used his that show never ages, man. You're saying <laughs> Exactly. But he did a really good job using his length. I mean, he understood how to kind of box receivers out in a sense, kind of like how you see Garrett Wilson do for Ohio State. But then like when he'd trip up or something in a route, he'd use his long arms to pull himself back up off the ground and still be in position to make a play. So I thought he was consistent over the middle, consistent on those fade routes. His tape shows a ton of versatility, which is kind of the new thing with these wide receivers is, you know, you see Debo Samuel playing as an X receiver in the slot out of the backfield. Christian Watson did all of that for North Dakota State. I think he's a a top 50 pick. If I really had to guess, my gut says here today that the Jets are probably going to be really interested in him at 35 or 38. One, because they coached him. Two, they want to add weapons around Zach Wilson. And that just seems like a great landing spot. But it wouldn't surprise me. Again, there's those surprise picks in the first round. And Christian Watson 
at an all-star game, had a great three days worth of practice, a good game, probably was a really good interview. And with that, you could see yourself somewhere in the first round. But if he's not, if he's there at 44, I think, you know, for the Browns, that's one of those, hey, let's add a receiver if they pass on 13. Beyond that, Calvin Austin, 5'7", 173. Man, the start and stop ability from him is just ridiculous. Uh, the, the speed to, to win vertically down the field is there. He is somebody that you just put the ball in his hands and he's going to make plays. He's a track star and just one of those weapons that you kind of see utilized in today's NFL like Tyreek Hill. And you, you would have to hope that a team can get that out of him. I'm not saying he's the next Tyree kill. I mean, he could be the next penny hard out of, you know, Georgia state going undrafted, but um, Calvin Austin, very fun player, had a great week. And then next on the wide receivers before, maybe I go into a couple of just general names in the draft, but Velas Jones out of Tennessee, he's got a master's degree. So a smart kid. It's crazy. He was playing with Sam Darnold back in 2016 and 2017 at USC. Um, but you know, a really good punt returner, kick returner has over 2,900 return yards in his career, but at the Senior Bowl, I mean, at 5'11", 203, he moved really well, and I know there's going to be some concern with him being 25 years of age in May, but he's super shifty as a route runner, really good job with his head fakes and shoulders and just fluid hips, and again, he, he showed speed to win vertically. There was times he was running right by guys, so I, I like those three guys the most there. If I could throw another name in there, Jalen Tolbert, just one of those bigger bodied receivers, really good overall frame at six one. Um, but he just, at times I thought struggled with high pointing the football and consistently winning at the catch point, but he was on his home turf. He, 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 he still had a good week. So he could be that second or third round option that maybe kind of comes under the radar and, and maybe has like a, a Kenny Galladay three or four year career with the team before getting that second contract from somebody else. But, um, he did a really good job. And then just generally speaking for the Browns and, and maybe I'm stepping on toes with the next follow-up question but like I really love the thought of like Garrett Wilson or like a Traylon Burks for them at 13 I know that might sound rich for some people but Garrett Wilson's a lot better of a route runner than people probably give him credit for for his size really good body control I'm sure there's a lot of Buckeye fans that listen to this show and they're probably like yeah absolutely and then Traylon Burks I mean just the, the speed for a player that size is very rare and I think he would make a difference for the Browns offense Mixed with the hand size, which is unbelievable. And I know. Traylon Burks, man. I didn't know that until Jordan Reed told me about it the other day, just last hey. week. And I was like, what on earth? Yeah. Um, so, crazy. yeah, the, the, the wide receiver thing will be interesting. I think I think there's just a lot of options, a lot of names at play. It's, it's literally a pick your flavor scenario. I want to touch yeah. real quick. It seems like Jeremy Ruckert had a nice weekend. Uh, well, week. Uh, and then and then a guy who I think Trey McBride is a nice player, too. I mean, there's a lot of good tight ends in this class. It's It's got mm-hmm. some names to like. Rucker did seem to help himself. Am I right about that? Or not? He's always overshadowed at Ohio State. They don't use the tight end a ton. But a, a guy who was so highly recruited, very athletic, made some acrobatic catches at the college level. But when you're surrounded by the wide receiver talent Ohio State's brought in, there's there's uh, there's just just when you're throwing the football, you'd be silly yeah. to not, to not target those guys. But Ruckert uh, is interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure where he goes. Kind of wanted your opinion on him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think him and, and another player from the senior bowl, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. So two big 10 guys, I think kind of fall similarly in a, in a, direction of Drew Sample when he was coming out of Washington. He ended up being a second round pick to Cincinnati, but with Ruckert, I mean, 6'5", 250. Um, really, he moves well for a player his size. He was probably the the most consistent blocker down at the Senior Bowl and probably the most consistent blocker on film. You see him watch, you know, run those split zone 
type blocks and he's, he just gets after it. So you love seeing that type of stuff from him. And I, I think he is a good pass catcher. I think if you give him the ball and kind of scheme it up to give him, you know, four or five targets a game, I think he can make the most out of that. And maybe that's not, you know, true tight end number one potential or numbers or production, but I, I just, I feel like you throw four or five passes his way. He's going to catch three or four of them every time. And, you know, you do that over a 16, 17 game stretch. It's, it, it, I mean, it adds up. So I like Rucker. I, I would take him, you know, somewhere in the middle to late day two portion of this draft, maybe he ends up being a fourth or fifth rounder. But like you mentioned, the Browns have, you know, a couple additional third and fourth round picks. So I wouldn't be too upset there. Jake Ferguson as well at 6'4", 244, was just really consistent and similar in a way to Ruckert where he probably is not going to be elite as far as, you know, speed or blocking or, or even just as a pass catcher. But he just, he seems to be, open a lot or just kind of in the area of of being able to make a play and I think that's important and then just lastly if you're talking pass catcher somebody that might be able to help the passing game in, in Cleveland Greg Dolchitz out of UCLA 6'3 248 heard a lot of good things about him from scouts but also heard a lot of good or just watched a lot of good things from him he was always open on these crossing patterns stick routes a lot of stuff underneath um, so he made himself some money as as maybe that vertical threat tight end and somebody that again that can be used underneath um, on an offense and that's similar to a way of, of Trey McBride he's he's fantastic at those stick routes really good underneath and I think he's the best tight end in the class and going into the week I, I thought he could be a first round pick and I still stand by that yeah, looming decisions at tight end for Cleveland make them an interesting sort of sneaky tight end team in this draft. Uh, a lot of stuff to play out here, as we know, but they 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 just have some guys that, uh, you know, between letting the decision on Njoku and maybe what's going on with Austin Hooper's contract, they could end up being in need of one. So I want to keep talking about those guys. Let's close with this. I don't think the, the Browns are in the front end of the draft. They could, and I don't want to say never on anything. I don't think they're going high quarterback uh in this thing but if they go mid rounds you know I, I don't know who stood out to you over the weekend or or whatever but i just want your take on it could be a senior bowl guy just just talk to us about the quarterback play generally at the senior bowl and then a guy who might interest you for cleveland if they do decide to kind of throw a dart at the board and take a guy maybe maybe rounds three through six you know just kind of like that range yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to get their hands on Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. That would be the shocker of the world. If one, one of those guys, I think if they were there at 13, I don't think they will be there. But also, if they were to take them there, that'd be nuts. But, at, you know, through that middle uh, round ranges of, of three through six, I would have to think, you know, Carson Strong out of Nevada and Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky I don't see it with Carson Strong. The knee is a concern. Um, he did show off some of the mobility, and there were times that he made some some nice throws deep down the field, but his knee, I think, is really hurting him because he underthrew a lot of passes. I mean, there was a lot of balls that were underthrown, and receivers had to come back to it. Now, the weather didn't play anybody any favors, but at the end of the day, he's not really able to drive off that front knee when he's making these throws. I think it's it's affecting him. And I think ultimately it could affect him just moving forward into the NFL. And especially once you take away Cole Turner and Romeo Dobbs, who he had at these practices, I think it's going to affect him a little bit. I, he had timing and rhythm with them, and he targeted them the most out, out of any player on the field. And um, I, I think, though, you know, overall there's been, you know, conversations of, first second round pick and sure maybe he goes somewhere in the second round like a Brock Osweiler or something but I I could see him there in, in the third round and if he's there 
maybe they they consider it just for the simple fact they want you know potentially a an upside with a you know a backup quarterback but Bailey Zappi would probably be the guy just because yeah he's a little bit undersized but you know familiar to that that type of size would be this coaching staff with with their work done with Case Keenum and stuff like that so Zappi every day got better the arm strength showed at times um and yeah he can he can get better with ball placement decision making and that will come with time but you look at his production in college you have to think that is just favorable to become you know maybe a a, a backup you know for sure but maybe a starter at some point but Bailey Zappi I I think in that third fourth round range would be a really good find for a team and if he can carve out a you know a seven eight year career uh, who who's to say he doesn't and who's to say that's a bad thing look at Chad Henney having that extra backup quarterback that is a, maybe a, a better coach or a, a better leader on the chalkboard is, is a lot more important uh, for your franchise sometimes than people realize. Yeah, I, I just kind of think Cleveland's going to throw a dart in the draft, especially as more of these uh, bigger name quarterbacks sort of go off the market with coaching changes and wanting to keep them around. I, I, I think Mayfield, it leans toward Mayfield back and they may be taking a taking a shot at somebody they really like. We'll see how it shakes out. He's at Russ NFL Draft. So many good insights. I know we're going to have you on at least one more time before the uh, the actual draft gets here out in Vegas. I'd imagine you're going to you're going to go out there, right? You're going to go to the draft this year? Well, it's uh, it's tough. There's been the conversation. We have some things lined up for us over at Cover One, but with my son in travel baseball, his travel baseball basically kicks off the first week of April, and he's actually got a tournament that week of the draft. And it's really unfair for me to not be there with him, but at the same time, I want to look at him and be like, hey, have a good tournament. I'll see you when I get back. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's tough. It's going to be tricky. I'm going to try. I'm going to try, though. It's tough to turn down the draft in Vegas. That's a... That's a confluence of two really fun things at the right time. So uh, listen, though, this is great, Russell. We appreciate it. And I know the listeners on this end uh, learned plenty from you today. And like I said, we'll hope to check in with you one more time or, or, or maybe even a couple more before the draft. Thanks again, man. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. All right, and that puts a bow on Senior Bowl content. Thanks to Russell for joining us, giving us all those insights, player names, whose stock took off. Jordan Reed, who we had on last week while I was on vacation, just put out a two-round mock of his own on ESPN as he has the Browns taking wide receiver and then defensive end in that mock. I'm not going to give the names away because it's behind a paywall, and I don't like to do that. The company's trying to... uh, to get money for journalism and the hard work that goes into it. So check that out for what Jordan thinks could just have listened to the pod last week. And he gave you some insights on those exact players uh, that he put to the Browns in his two round mock. It's going to get even crazier uh, with mock drafts and covering these prospects. As we get close to the combine, the OBR hopes to be live at the combine should be fun there. And then, you know, as free agency starts to pick up, that's where we thrive around here is the inside information on that. So make sure you're joining the OBR. I appreciate your supporting this podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday. Thanks for stopping in and checking out this episode. Have a great day and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.